Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm only going to look at one verse. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to look at verse 6, and if you will stand in reverence to God's word. So I'm looking at Hebrews. This is going to be kind of my anchoring text, but I'm going to kind of pick up a few psalms as I walk through it. They'll be on your screens in there, and you can, can write it down and things like that. But I'm anchoring my thoughts today in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And here's the word of the Lord. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let me pray for our, word, for our sermon today. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you, God, because you reward us with yourself. God, if we diligently seek you, if we pursue after you, if we draw close to you, God, we don't have to wonder if you're going to reward us. God, you promised that you would. God, you promised that you will reward us, not with things, not with uh, externals, but God, we believe and we know that you will reward us with more of yourself. So God, remind us of this reality today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I want to talk to us for just a couple minutes from the thought, relentless, pursuing Jesus through prayer. Pursuing Jesus through prayer. You know, um, when I start thinking about what it means to employ the means of grace and to pursue Jesus. Um, like I said, he's always going to hang out right where you think he's going to hang out. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially when it comes to the spiritual discipline, some of us, man, we can really wrestle with it. Uh, I shared the story before, uh, but it was really pivotal for me. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, you know, if you've ever been in youth ministry or, you know, things like that, you know, you can get to doing stuff as a youth pastor and you're just trying to have fun, do, do good things, and you may not always be praying all the time. Like, I don't always pray every time. I never forget one of my... One it was one of the most fun outings I did, and I did youth ministry for like almost 10 years. Um, have you ever played bubble soccer where you put the bubbles on? Um, and you literally, you, they inflate you in a giant bubble and you just run into people. When I say I was murking them kids, I mean, I had, I had people's kids bouncing off the ceilings and they're like, Pastor Cole, please stop. I'm like, nah, you was talking crazy last week. Ah, like, you know, uh, that's what I did as a youth pastor. Uh, it was fun. I miss youth ministry. If I did that now, they just, you know, if I came in here running around running y'all with a giant bubble on, you wouldn't like it. Um, but anyhow, you know, youth pastors, we can get into the fun, the zany and all this stuff and trying to make the gospel relevant uh, to kids. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Um, and, but when we do that, sometimes if we're not careful, we, we won't always be thinking about the spiritual disciplines and all this stuff. We're just trying to do what we're doing. And so I was at a conference for youth pastors where they were seeking to encourage us to make sure that we're people of prayer. Um, and one of my brothers who was a mentor of mine, actually, he was at a um, large church overseeing a grandiose youth ministry. I was sitting in one of his sessions and I'll never forget what he said. You know, he was like, you know, while you're playing bubble soccer and kickball and doing all this stuff, make sure that you are spending time with God in prayer. But we all talked about how many of us were like Christians ourselves uh, and, and got young families and all the things of ministry and people not taking you seriously. And it can be easy to push prayer on the back end of things. And he began to talk about how important the spiritual disciplines was. But he said, you know, sometimes we allow guilt to chase us out of the presence of God. He said, and because we don't pray, we don't pray. He said, but if you don't eat 
for one day or don't eat for a few hours. You don't just sit there when your stomach starts rumbling and just look at me. I'm so stupid. I just, I just never eat. I ain't got so stuff to eat. Like, no, you don't beat yourself up. He like, you just go and make a sandwich. And he says, anytime you're out of rhythms, out of practices, uh, when it comes to pursuing God, he say, don't feel guilty, just feel hungry. And, and I've remembered that for years so that when I get into those moments, and, and here's a true confession, and I'm a whole pastor, and it's easy, even though you talk about Jesus all the time, to not be talking to Jesus as much as you should. And what I learned uh, really early and really quick is that guilt is a waste of time and actually a tool of the enemy to chase us out of what God is trying to do in our life. God is trying to bring about transformation, restoration, healing in our life, and we're sitting around feeling guilty because we didn't pray. We, we, well, I got busy yesterday with the kids, and I didn't read my Bible, and I, I feel bad, and I should just give up, and Satan is over there having a field day in your life. And God is saying, listen, I don't need you feeling guilty because your devotional life isn't what you would like for it to be or it's not going as you would like. He said, just st let's stop feeling guilty. Just feel hungry and give yourself to pursuit of me. And this book where we are here, we're in a book of Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews is one of the most fascinating books in the Bible. It's actually, uh, people believe it's actually a book of sermons. It's very sermonic um, in its tone, and we don't know who wrote it. We're not sure. There are speculations, but no, at the end of the day, nobody really knows. But boy, is it a rich theological book, and it's written to Jewish Christians who were thinking about walking away from God because they were being persecuted by their own countrymen. And the whole book of Hebrews is talking to them, and it's presenting Jesus as the better uh, sacrifice, as the better high priest, as the better mediator, as the better Moses. And his whole thing is like, don't push away from God, draw closer to God. And so four times in the book of Hebrew, we get the Hebrews, we get this passage here where it talks about drawing close, draw, drawing close. And so our passage today, it has it again, to, or drawing near rather. Um, it says, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And this whole idea of relentless um, and drawing near to God, we get this picture where he says, listen, the reason why you need to keep drawing near to God is through faith. And this faith is emulated in the people that you Jewish people love and you respect. And so he starts, he's, he's like a good Baptist preacher. He starts all the way at Genesis, and in my tradition, they call this telling a story. It sounds like, he, in my mind, when I read Hebrews 11, I feel like the preacher is tuning up in the book of Hebrews. And if you don't know what tuning up is, don't worry about it. Just know he's doing it. He's he tuning up, and he, he starts in this text with what we call the hall of faith. And he says, if you want to draw near to God, if you want to please God, it takes something called faith. It takes trust. It takes confidence that God is exactly who he says he is, and he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And I'm here to tell you that the reason why you can be relentless in your pursuit isn't because your pursuit is relentless or your disciplines are so solid or because you prayed long enough yesterday, but it's because God is still God. You see, if you go through the hall of faith, it is full of people that are a hot mess. And the preacher, he tunes up here in verse 4. He starts all the way in Genesis chapter 4, and he says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though which he was commended as righteous. Then he jumps up to Genesis 12, and he says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He hangs with Abraham a little longer, and he says, By faith, Abraham, he jumps to Genesis 22, By faith, Abraham and when he was tested, he offered up Isaac and he received the promises because he considered that God was able even to raise from the dead uh, 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 his son, even though he was going to kill him. That is faith. 
And then he jumps all the way to Exodus. He says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be the, called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then he turned to a whole Baptist preacher and he says, I ain't got time to tell you. This is what he says in verse 27 of Hebrews 11. I ain't time would fail me. And then he, you know how Baptist preacher, he said, I'm about to close and then kept going for 35 more minutes. That's time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of uh, lions, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release, were mocked, flogged, imprisoned, of whom the world was not worthy. And it was by faith that they pleased God. You see, as we talk about uh, relentless faith, um, in pursuit of prayer and being in the presence of God is the fuel by which our relentless pursuit of Jesus is energized and propelled forward as we walk with him. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was with my sister. Um, this was for Thanksgiving with my sister. I got a, my big sister live in Vegas. Um, and so we was in Vegas. I like going to visit my sister because she like, we just be doing stuff and she like be paying for everything. So we riding around, you know, we riding around Vegas and getting it. You know, it was hers and I was spending it. That's what we was doing, me and my big sister over in Vegas. Um, and so we riding around and so we just having a great time. Big sister, we pull up at the gas station. She's like, I need gas. It was cold. She's like, man, it's cold today. And this is Vegas, so it was like 60 degrees. She's like freezing to death. Like, I'm from Michigan. I got no shorts. It's fine. Like, you know, but anyhow, I'm like, I got you, big sis. Let me get out here, throw some gas in your car. So I'm trying to be a good little brother. Hop out. I don't want my sister standing in this freezing 65-degree weather. So I even hop out, throw some gas in. Boom. I hop out, throw the thing in. I do what I do when I fuel up my car. I hit 87. She screamed, no! Because I drive a Hyundai truck, okay? 87 is just fine. That's, in fact, I've never pushed any other numbers. 86, 87, the cheapest one, okay? But my sister got a Porsche truck. And I learned that day, I told you, she, hey, hey, she doing it out there. I learned that you can't put regular fuel in a Porsche that day. I was like, I'm sorry, sis. I ain't got it like you got it. I'd just be using her. I had to cancel the transaction. I mean, you would have thought I was going to put honey in the tank. She was really worked up because a Porsche can't just run on anything. And if you want to drive your pursuit of Jesus, you can't just white knuckle it. You just can't use the flesh. You can't just do more and more or try harder. It's going to take faith and trust in who God is to energize your pursuit of him. You see, faith is the engine. And all of these people that he lists here in Hebrews 11, they energize the car by faith. One, it's some wild people on that list, people of God. My, my favorite person on the list is Samson because, listen, if you're not a Christian, you might not know who Samson is, but if you're a Christian, he was a wild boy. Listen, if you're not a Christian, let me just tell you, I ain't going to go into it. He was a wild boy, okay? One of the wildest cats in all of Scripture. Homie had locks like I got, but his was longer because he had never caught, cut them, so he out here looking like one of the Marlies or something. He basically had one job, okay? His job was to, like, deliver Israel, don't drink wine, and just marry a good Jewish young lady who believed in Yahweh. That's all he had to do. Wasn't that hard? Samson literally did the opposite of all of that for his whole life. His whole entire life, Samson drank all the wine, okay? Every other chapter, he had a new party pouring up Jewish Hennessy over, and he just wouldn't stop. It was just Hennessy every time. He, he poured it up. Then, after that, after that, he wouldn't date Jewish Yahweh worshiping girls. He went down and he found girls who didn't know the Lord, who were Philistines, who were rebellious, and he fell in love with them. And he did it like eight times or something in the book. He like, it wasn't just like one. Like, you know, it was just over and over and over again. 
And then Samson got himself in some trouble, got captured, got his eyes gouged out. But when he got his eyes gouged out for the first time, he was able to see through the eyes of faith. And in the last moments of his life, he was able to exercise faith in Yahweh and to perform an act that brought the deliverance and liberation of Israel. Here's why I like that Samson is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, because you ain't got to be perfect to trust God. You see... When we talk about trusting God, we're not talking about you having it all together or you being perfect or having all your T's crossed. We're talking about you putting confidence outside of yourself and putting them into an all-seeing, all-knowing, all-loving God. Now, I know some of y'all are stressed out that we have titled this Relentless because you're like, yo, I am tired. I really be wanting to relent, for real. Um, I, <laughs> I'm tired. I, I don't want to work harder or do more. I don't know how much energy I got. I've already failed so much. You know, where we are in this passage here, um, that without faith is impossible to please God, if you back up by a verse there, it's actually talking about a guy by the name of Enoch. Enoch is this fascinating character in Scripture. In verse 5 um, of Hebrews 11, it says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he, could not, he would not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. This character of Enoch has for millennia entranced and enticed the imaginations of Jews and Christians because he walked, think about this, he walked with God. And he was not. That's what Genesis tells us about Enoch. Remember, he's hanging around, the preacher's hanging around in Genesis. Enoch is the seventh from Adam. The Bible says that he walked with God, and he was not because God took him. He fellowshiped, pursued God. This verse, remember the verse we're looking at, drawing close and diligently seek him. He drew so close to God, so diligently sought him that God took him and brought him home. He didn't kill him. He never saw death. The Bible, it's, it's like, you know, those of us who, who work remote, it's like God says, I like working with you so much, I'm going to bring you up to the office. God says he walked with him and he was not. And so there are apocryphal books, the books of Enoch that are canonical in some Christian traditions that Christians have read and loved for thousands of years. The book of Enoch is quoted in the book of Jude because Enoch has been such an influence on Christians because everybody wants to know, how do I walk that closely to God? The answer is in verse 5 or verse 6, by faith. You, you walk with God by faith. And y'all are stressed out because I called it relentless. And you said, Carlos, it's too much. I'm already overwhelmed. I don't need a sermon about how to pray more or what techniques to use or why I need. I already know I'm failing. Listen, listen, listen. Please don't feel overwhelmed. Don't feel anxious. Don't feel none of that. I think you just need to do what Enoch does. Because Enoch didn't run with God. Enoch didn't chase God. Eh? Enoch, Enoch only got up every day and Enoch put one foot in front of the other. And he walked with God, one foot in front of the other. And child of God, here's what I want to present to you. Being relentless in your pursuit of God is not so much about intensity as much as it is about consistency. It's committing to saying every day, God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I know I stumbled and I failed yesterday, but I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I, I know I stumbled and like Donnie McClurkin said, we fall down, but guess what? We're going to get back up and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other today. I know I failed and I messed up yesterday, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And God is saying to us, people of God, that what it means to be relentless in pursuit of Jesus is just trusting him and not giving up. So, so, so you blew your New Year's resolution last year. So what? Get up, dust yourself off like Aaliyah said, and try again. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Enoch didn't run with God. He didn't bicycle with God. He didn't even jog with God. He just 
walk with God. So much so that the Torah, um, in Jewish, the, the oral Torah is called halakha, how to walk with God. It's, it's, it's an image that permeates understanding of who God is. And so um, I told you that this verse, I'm only preaching from one verse that what it means to draw near and to diligently seek him. Um, here in Hebrews 6, when it talks about drawing near, what's interesting is that both of these verbs, they're verbs, they're in the present tense. It's just talking about ongoing drawing, ongoing coming close to God. Drawing near is about proximity to God. And y'all know if we're having to draw near to God, y'all know that God is an unmoved uh, first mover. So that means that if we're drawing near to him, he hasn't moved. It's us. But that's all right. Put one foot in front of the other and walk right back. And then diligently seek him. You know, I really relate it to this because this is the search for something. I diligently seek something at least once a day in my life um, because every day I'm going to lose my keys, my glasses, my what something. And my wife like, like, why do you lose stuff all the time? And I'm like, I don't know. If I knew, I'd stop doing it. Uh, but <laughs> I just keep, and some of it is my kids. I got four kids and they just be just finger touching stuff and all over the place. Like, why are my keys under the bed? I didn't put them there. I put them on the table, you know, so there's that too. But, but here's what I learned about diligently searching for something. The, 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 the Greek word here isn't just, you know, how you sometimes look. You, you ever seen kids look for something? They just kind of, uh, they ain't really looking. They ain't looking for real. That's how husbands look too, by the way. Fun fact. Um, I begin so sick of, I, my wife like, did you find this? I looked, and then she come here. It's right here. I'm like, see, I don't appreciate this. The fact I looked there, it was invisible when I looked for it. It obviously, you know, like I used to watch Star Trek, it obviously has a cloaking device, and it cloaked itself, you know. But you know how it is when you're diligently looking for something, you're running late for work, and if you're like me, you have lost your keys, you will tear the house up. You didn't flip over the couch cushions, you didn't look upside, just random places on top of the refrigerator up there looking next to the cereal. You have looked everywhere you can because you're diligently seeking. God says that the people that I reward with myself, they are people who are intentionally every day walking closer to me and diligently searching for where I might be. And so the way I believe, the best way to go about this, I believe, is through prayer. Um, why do I believe prayer? I believe prayer is the ultimate act of faith. Um, because prayer puts God where he's supposed to be and puts you, puts you where you're supposed to be. You see, prayer puts God on the throne as the ruler of the universe and puts you at his feet where you belong. The Bible says that those who come to God, that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For those who would draw near to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Must believe that he is. You know, we really do today. I've always been amazed um, that even though we exist, even though we have consciousness, even though from what we can gather, um, you know, we speculate and based on math, cosmology, you know, constructions and stuff, there should be life somewhere else. But as far as we can know, um, at least around here, we're the only ones that seem to got consciousness and awareness, and yet we still need apologetics that God is, that God exists. And so what he says is that those who come to God, this is why prayer is so possible, powerful, is because you're already acknowledging that God is. You're already saying that he is real. Check this out. Here's why I like this as well, because prayer can look like a lot of different ways. You ever read the book of Psalms? Sometimes in the book of Psalms, people are praising God, but sometimes they're wrestling with God. Sometimes they're saying, God, you hate me. It seems that you are against me. It seems that you are piercing me through with your arrows. It seems that you're abusing me. And, you know, when we think about prayer, we think of the just the beautiful, holy, you know, kind, joy stuff. And what God actually says, I actually think prayer can look a lot more ugly than that according to the Bible. 
And so if you are a person, the reason why believing, coming to God and believing that he is, is a beautiful thing is because it's not only when you feel good and it seems like things are good with you and God, but if you are wrestling with God, you're arguing with God, you might even be doubting God. You might even be questioning that God is real. You might be on the fence with your Christianity, but if you are wrestling with God, you are still wrestling with him and assuming that he is there. You see, Israel is he who wrestles with God. So if you're wrestling with God, if you're praying, if you're screaming, if you're angry at God, if you hate God, you are halfway to faith. Because without faith, you can't please him because you have to believe that he is. So even if you're mad at God, child of God, keep, and give people space to wrestle, be mad, do what they're going to do. Because even if you're mad and wrestling with God, you are still acknowledging that he is. He just made you mad. And guess what? The Bible is full of prophets and preachers and kings that God made mad. And they just kept wrestling. God can fight for himself. You, you keep wrestling, keep struggling, and in due time, God will reveal himself. And so I like this, that idea that prayer itself is a way that we, more than anything, can draw near to God, and we can also diligently pursue him because it puts him where he needs to be on the throne, and it puts us where we need to be at his feet. So I got just a couple things I'm going to drop on you for prayer, and then we're actually going to pray. Because I believe the best way to pray and experience God is to pray and experience God. Not just me. It would be a weird thing for me to just talk to you about prayer the whole time, and then we don't pray. It would be, be weird. We, we, this is a God. I like God. He's, he's an experiential God. He's not just cognitive. Some stuff, people be wanting to be all cerebral, and I can be cerebral. I can get on with being cerebral and all that stuff. But our God is a God who will manifest himself. Yahweh manifests himself in acts in space and time. And so one of the first things we need to know about prayer is that it's not just communication with God, but it's an experience with God. And so I, I don't only want us to just talk about I don't want to just give you an information dump. I want us to go into the presence of God and experience his power with us. And so I just got a few things I'm going to share with you about prayer, and there's a couple verses from the songs I'm going to read. They'll be on the screen there. Um, but the first thing we see is that prayer satisfies our longing from, for God. Psalm 63 says this, Oh God, you are my God. Early in the morning I will seek you. My soul thirst for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so I look for you in a sanctuary to see your power and your glory. This, the psalmist says that I am longing. I'm thirsty for you. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Prayer is where we go to have that God-sized hole in our heart filled with the presence of God. Child of God, you won't find it anywhere else. This satisfies this thirst and this longing. And so, like I opened a sermon with, listen, if you haven't been in his presence in a while, that's all right. Just go and get on in there. It's like, you know, guilt will make you. You ever not call somebody in so long you just decide not to call them? Like, you know, you're supposed to call them. And I don't know, man, I'd forgotten. But now if I call them, it'd be weird. Uh, you know, so you, so you don't call them. Um, God is actually saying, I would rather you just call. I'm going to make sure it, it won't be weird I, because here's the reality. I don't want you to be so busy being guilty that you don't miss me. I, I want you to miss my presence. I want you to miss my power. I want you to miss our fellowship so much that it overwhelms your guilt and you come running back to me. Amen. Prayer satisfies our longing for God. But not only that, there's this verse in Psalm 27 that says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen to this, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I believe that not only does prayer satisfy our longing for God, but it shows us a vision of God. 
Christians for millennia have been fascinated with seeing a vision of God of seeing his face, and all of us are going to see God eventually. And what this text says to us is that seeing God's face through prayer is the means by which we can experience his glory, see his beauty, and lead us to worship and transformation. You see, it's an experience with God. And so sometimes when you're looking, y'all do know that prayer can be multi-sensory. You, you can talk. That's why I'm talking prayer. It's a conversation with God. But guess what? You can also just listen and behold. You can actually be silent in prayer. You don't have to say anything. You can just go and sit and behold the glory of Jesus. Now, some of us are terrified of that because our lives are so noisy, because we're addicted to our phones, because we can't turn off the radio. We're always stimulating ourselves, and our, our society is a dopamine-addicted society that's addicted to cheap, short hits of dopamine, and the best place to get that is on your smartphone. And so, and I am a whole techie. Anybody know me well? I got all the devices. And sometimes you got to turn them off so that you can hear for God. Get you a paper Bible. It's a wild thing. But you, they, they still print these joints. And listen to God and experience God. But not only does prayer show us this vision of God that we can experience in a multi-sensory way, sensory way, but prayer starts the movement of God. There's a passage in the book of James. Check this out. It's wild. So this passage tells you that, that uh, by faith it's impossible to please God and that we should draw near to God. Well, look what James says. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Check this out. Anytime you move towards God, he's going to move towards you. You want a move of God? Some people have been praying for that for you. We want a move of God. All you got to do is move towards him. Now, look, I, I wrestle with this a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute. So you're telling me, God, that you can respond to me that if I take one step towards you, as old folks used to say, you'll take two? Say, if you move towards me, I'll move towards you. I'm like, man, I ain't saying I'm trying to manipulate, but I can get the being of the universe to just do stuff by me doing stuff. I'm, I'm I, okay, let's, 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 let's get after it. But God was like, hey, calm down. Um, because here's the reality. The only reason you would even move towards me is because I've already moved towards you. You see, he, he is the first mover of the Bible. L listen to this. Anytime you move towards God, you are responding to God's revelation and word of you. God, in Genesis 3, after Adam then walked away from God and hiding from God, who makes the first move? It's God. Adam, where are you? And so Adam comes out because God's word has come forth. Romans 10 says that, um, that without faith it is impossible. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the verse today. Uh, without faith it is impossible to please God. Uh, but Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Then the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that if we have faith, that it's a gift of God that is not a, a, from ourselves, that is from God, not a result of works so that anyone can boast. Here's the reality. If you have faith in God, it's because the word of God has already come through to you and God has already birthed faith in you. You. So God is always the first one to move and to draw you to himself. So it's like this. You ever talk to somebody on the phone and they call you and then rush you off the phone? You ever had that happen? Make phone, hello. Hey, man, what's up, man? I just only got to go somewhere. Bro, why did you call? You rushing me off the phone. That ain't God. God is saying, I've been calling. Now I'm going to talk a while. I've already given you my word. And through my word, I've already birthed faith. And so that desire that you have to come towards me, when you call me, I ain't going to rush you off the phone. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to fellowship. I'm ready to connect because I have already been the first mover. 
And so God isn't going to push you out of his presence. It doesn't matter how long it's been, what's going on with your prayer life. It's like, God didn't worry about all that. God is saying, come in, come to me. And so we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. We're going to get into the word and we're going to pray. And so here's this prayer prompt that I want us to spend time with. In 2024, we, wanted to, we want to be in relentless pursuit of Jesus. We desire more of Jesus' presence and power in our lives, our family, and in our church. Let's draw near to Christ in prayer and ask him to draw near to us this year with his presence and his power. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just ask God for more of him. It says he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And you want to know what the reward is? His presence. And so we're just going to get together in groups. We're going to pray. Um, I also want to say a word. If you're here and you're not a Christian or you're not comfortable with prayer right now, listen, I want to encourage you. You can enjoy a moment of silence. You can sit in meditation uh, that makes sense for you. Um, please, if someone's around you and they're not comfortable praying, please don't, don't force um, anyone to pray. But if you want to cry out to God, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a few minutes and we're just going to ask for more of Jesus in 2024. Is that all right? So group up however you see fit and we're going to pray. And then after that, we're going to worship and we're going to go forward with baptism. Let's get together in groups and let's pray right where you are. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.